0: You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You're joined by myself, Lawson. We've got just across from me Matthew and Kelvin in the studio as well. As we come into the second hour of our show, we're going to get into our Bible study. Before we do, hey, would you be able to get for us a uh, next question for the quiz? Indeed.
1: How long did Moses' mother hide him to escape the death edict of Pharaoh? Mm -hmm. Share this again. How long did Moses' mother hide him to escape the death edict? Edict of Pharaoh. Mm. So we're looking for a time period, friends. A says 13 months, B says 10 months, C says 3 months, D says 7 months. Mm -hmm. So A, 13 months, B, 10 months, C, 3 months, or D, 7 months. Mm,
0: absolutely. you got a one in four chance. That's right. It's A, B, C, or D if you don't know the answer, or if you do, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine 064 669 is the number to text. And if you text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win, dude. Just amazing prizes. We've got a morning and an evening devotional that we want to give to you absolutely for free this morning. So, 0491 064 669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. We were talking about in our previous, well, in the previous hour, I, you know, talked about this news story where there was this guy who was hanging out in front of a school wearing a Grinch costume, holding a sign saying... Santa is fake, Jesus is real, and so the question is for, for, you know, that I, that I, that I posed, is, is this, is this valid and how do you have those conversations and those interactions with Children and whatnot. We've had some different, uh, different thoughts come in in regards to that. Have Karen who wrote in, we taught our kids that St. Nicholas was a real person who gave presents to the poor, but they all, but we, we also told them that the presents on Christmas Day came from us and not from an imaginary Saint Nicholas. And that's that's actually a really good point. Is that like there is a historical Saint Nicholas there is. who was generous and like in I guess in his uh in his way we can I don't want to say the word, uh, maybe copy or imitate or, or we give homage to those, those stories, stories and, and we, that theme of giving through Christmas. Absolutely. But again, because this is when it, when it comes to Santa, I think the difficulty of it is the secularization of that narrative and the, the myth of Santa, which I don't think is positive. And well, coming from the other perspective, Michael writes in, he says, but wouldn't it be the bottom line that Everything to do with Christmas is a pagan-slash-Catholic ritual. Traditions of men. Whatever happened to be in the world but not of the world? Was Jesus' birthday celebrated by the apostles or the disciples? What next? Halloween will be accepted too. Ooh. Interesting, interesting point. Interesting point there. Do you guys have any initial thoughts on that one? Oh, are you dropping and killing well, <laughs> yeah, them? The <laughs> <way>. We're pushing <laughs> the buck here. It's like, who's got to talk When first? Jesus
2: was dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, I think mm-hmm. it was the Sadducees that didn't believe in... Second coming I think it
1: was death, and resurrection from
2: the dead. The oh. resurrection. Yep. That's right, yeah. Um, but Jesus told the story of Lazarus, a poor beggar, Ooh. right, who he'd never actually destroyed their comprehension of that but he drew an illustration how how ridiculous as it was
1: mm. yep. using their language
2: using mm. their own language yeah. so i think the same thing with christmas we as christians should use that language but do it to honor god Amen. Mm. nice yeah I, I think the perspective isn't i, I appreciate where michael's
0: uh, yeah michael's coming from in the sense that we should be on guard or alert as to the origins of what we're believing and practicing. He brings up Halloween and it's like, is there, is there a way to celebrate Halloween for God? And I would say, no, like, what is, well, actually you can celebrate, you can celebrate Halloween for God is if on the 31st of, of October, you celebrate the reformation, like, which is, (laughs) which is the real memorial that you should celebrate at that time. But, um, but Halloween, the problem with Halloween is that it's in its, in in its uh not only its origins but in its current form and state it isn't utilized to celebrate god there's nothing godly about it now when it comes to christmas and easter as well it's like okay originally christmas that 25th of december day is the celebration of of tammuz you know the the sun figure in in ancient ancient Near Eastern in pagan religion easter you know the celebration of ishtar fertility rites that's where the bunnies and the carrots and all that stuff you know comes from and it's like 100% like these are pay in terms of their debt and Easter as well. It's on like a moon, the, the lunar cycle, like paganism, like 100% understand. But then at the same time, it's like Christians have co-opted that day to celebrate Jesus. And I feel as though we can do our best to put away the spiritualist or the, the, the pagan elements of it and use that time as an opportunity to build a bridge towards, uh, towards non-Christians and towards people. And we're going to be talking about this in our Bible study today, Reaching the Unreached. What, what were you thinking, Matthew?
1: So one way, you know, while the, the wheels were turning us to find out what how we can use Halloween, we can lead error into truth. That's one mm. thought I had. So, you know, the origins of Halloween is All Hallows Day. Mm. They, they believe in the, the raising of their saints on that particular day. And it's turned into... Um, even a worse kind of pagan faith now. It's all occultic, even. Mm. But we can use that to teach what the Bible says about the state of the dead. Mm. That's one thing. And you know, the doctrine of
0: yeah. You know, and, and it was amazing. I believe it was one of our, you could say, system ministries, uh, the N. Digital, which is doing fantastic programs. They, they got really into Halloween and, and spiritualism and whatnot and, and used that as a bridge to understand and to share the truth with people of like what happens when you die. Yeah. And I feel like with Christmas as well, I, again, totally understand the sentiment of what Michael's saying. And I'm like, yeah, it, it is it's not okay to just outly, outwardly and blatantly uh work, you know Co-opt paganism and and to use pagan practices and and I think that's one of our criticisms of Catholicism is that they've reskinned a lot of pagan rituals or pagan theological understandings and have said, oh, this is now Christian. We said, no, 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 you're just doing paganism in the name oh, of Jesus. And it's like, okay, but actually, if we, yes, it's the twenty fifth of December. Yes, it's you know we know this has pagan origins, but if we if we can if we can start to if we can create a divide there and use that rather as a bridge to get people to true worship of Jesus, I think that there's a lot to be done there. I have another interesting text here from Wayne. He says, are you being a part of paganism by accepting the public holidays um, through Christmas um, and even being paid for public holidays? Is that accepting yourself as taking part in paganism? Yeah, is it pagan for me to get paid double on the queen's birthday? You know, like, it's, it's a good point. And at the same time, the queen's birthday doesn't have, like, when, when we say Christmas is paganism, it's that ancient Near Eastern, specifically religiously pagan origins of Christmas and of Easter. But this is the thing. It's also, like, for many, many people, Christmas is not religious <laughs> and neither is Easter. Mm-hmm. And and I think the whole use of Santa, and it, like, is is... Proof of that, that people don't accept Christ, not just in a pagan way or a Christian way, they are, they refer to Christmas as in a completely non, religious way i have a friend from canada which is like canada is even more secular than australia it is. like canada is one of the most secular western countries that there is in terms of like n- you know north america and whatnot and they they don't say merry christmas they're like happy holidays like that is the that is the common way they greet each other because they're like oh christmas that's <laughs> that's 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 religious we're not religious people it's happy holidays and what it's like xmas you know it's like oh yeah we celebrate Christmas. it's the it's the day it's the holiday day but they're like the are a good majority of of canadians they're like no no no, we're not celebrating christmas we just we have this day oh it's whatever it may be um and and yeah so for them it's completely devoid of religion but yeah it is a good opportunity to be able to share christ with people i think that's um Th- that's what we can do at that time. Can I throw, can I throw a
1: spatter in the works oh, this way?
0: Throw, throw, it, at, throw okay. it at us, Matthew. Do you
1: ever wonder where the idea of no kind of Christian or religious affiliation from the Canadians came from? No idea. Here's a thought. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the other language they speak there? French. So France. Oh, oh are, yeah, sure. What are they like?
0: Oh, okay. To- well... <laughs> A pretty, pretty secularised, anti-religious. I mean, we have Not the
2: particularly to, religious. That's focused, right. Are they, they, the,
0: they put up a god called
1: the god of reasoning. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Great Controversy, he talks about that. Yeah. So they believe in reasoning. That's mm. that they threw out um, religion. <laughs> yeah, they. Yeah. Even Napoleon rested the Pope. Yeah,
0: well, (laughs) yeah, it was very much the, it was anti, it was anti-monarchy and the monarchies of Europe at the time were very much colluding politically and religiously with the Catholic Church to further their political stronghold on Europe. And yeah, interesting history there. So yeah, very interesting. Also just a general secularization that we see even here in Australia as well, moving towards and away from the Christian or the religious, you know, the religious nature of these types of holidays but yeah interesting oh man we're just getting more and more text messages in that are really really interesting but we'll see you're listening to the breakfast Channel connect with us on 0491
1: 064 669
0: Mm, Absolutely. Hey, we are going to get into our Bible study. We've got some more text messages coming in, but really want to open the Word of God. And I, I really want to open the Word of God because I believe today's topic, reading Acts chapter 17, actually gives us some perspective on how we can use something like Christmas to be able to share the gospel with people. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 17. One of my favorite Chapters. Well, Acts is my favorite books. It's one of my favorite chapters in Acts. This particular section, 15, 16, 17, seeing the uh, the the exploits of of Paul and the way that they, they traveled around at the time. And we are going to be observing the way that they interacted with the Athenians in the are- Areopagus. Now I'd love to ask you guys, get some perspective on the history of of Athens and of Greece here. what was the Areopagus and what was what was going on in Athens at this time? What was it the focus of what was the, what was the big the big famous thing that Athens was known for at this time, and what did it proliferate and what did it share with the rest of the world
1: I, I commend that you're, you're older than me by a couple of years <laughs> uh, <so. laughs>
2: the, the culture itself the Greeks. Um, celebrated the human body. Mm-hmm. And when they were performing at the Olympics, one <laughs> yeah. way of upholding and honouring the human body was to exercise naked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So that was one way of worship. <laughs> um, that, and it, it's quite common. And even today, when you see Greek statues, it's quite common for you to see <laughs> naked in or the bar. partially yeah, naked. Sure. Um, because that was one thing. one of the things that they revered and venerated Mm. they upheld the beauty and form of the human body they worshiped the created Mm. rather Mm. than the creator and and the
1: perfection of it wasn't it yeah
0: well
2: yeah man i I love this so i I did a
0: class this year or this semester it's uh you know philosophy and ethics and getting into the the history of greek thinking regarding the body and the nature Mm and self. So the introduction to that you see very much like the first, like you had lots of naturalism then leading up to the advent of uh, Platonian and or Plato and his philosophy, which Plato was a big subscriber to the idea of forms and that there was basically two worlds going on. There was a world of form and there was like the natural world and the world of form is where everything was perfect. And he put God up into the world of form, but in the world of forms, there was the perfect horse and there was the perfect body and there was the perfect tree. And there was in this world of forms, there was the perfect, you know, mathematics and the perfect this and the perfect that and the perfect idealism. That's right. a, A form of idealism. Then you had Aristotle come along disagree with that in a sense like hey the world can be understood by the observation of things around us then you know by the time we get to this point and you can see this in the story of the way that uh that you know paul the people that paul is interacting with when we read in verse 18 that he be- comes upon epicureans and stoics and what are particularly for epicureans Uh, they more, they very much denied spiritual reality in favor of a physical reality. And again, the celebration of the physical body, as you said, um, and the potential of, you know, the, the, the natural world and the natural order around us. And they, yeah, just completely denied uh, Stoicism as well. Uh, Stoicism, particularly, Really denied the need of an afterlife. They were like, oh, this is all that we have and, and whatnot. And they were, so that all being said. It actually really made them opponents to the idea of resurrection because they really believed in the cycle of life and death. And they, they, but in terms of it as, as a cycle, they didn't, this cycle that they understood wasn't in the same way as say the Indians who believe in reincarnation and whatnot. They're like, it's a cycle that actually comes to an end for like everyone dies and that's, and that's it. And so they're like, Oh, the, the concept of resurrection. That wasn't a thing for them. Now, Plato, he was very much pro-immortal soul, uh, very much pro, you know, that kind of idea. Whereas by the time you get to the Epicureans and the Stoics, there's this landscape of philosophy that is, that is unfolded in... Greek, in, the, in the Greek world, and, and they didn't all agree with each other. It's not like, oh, Greeks believe this or Greeks believe that. It was the Stoics believe this, the Epicureans believe this. And by the time, by this point and, and a little bit after, you get the Neoplatonists who take, took some of Plato's ideas, interacted a little bit with some Christianity and whatnot, and there was some some, some of the ways that that unfolded. And by the time you get to Augustine, say, in the, in the fourth century, is very much a Platonist who melded Christianity with that. And, and that's what we saw the outcome of his theology was. So you've got this landscape of philosophy and the way that it affects religion, a very, very interesting history. But then Paul shows up and he interacts with this, guys. Let's pick it up in verse 16. If you can get that for us, Matthew. Let's yeah. start by just getting 16 and 17.
1: Lately, says this. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols, mm. therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there.
0: Mm. Okay, so he rocks up to Athens, and it's funny because again, as I as I introduce this huge. Uh, landscape of philosophies and ideas you know how you had some of the epicureans and stoics you know they, they're denying the immortality of the soul or de- they're denying it After like you've got platonists who are accepting it and embracing it like all of these different perspectives but what he sees is regardless of this religiously this city of athens <laughs> has been fully given over to idolatry uh, and so for them, this, this idolatry, he's provoked by this to then, he says, okay, I there is then a need for me to interact with these people because he, simply he's like, hey, they're going down the wrong path. Like, idolatry is is sin.
1: So amongst this uh, melting pot of idealism, mm. he wants to set the record straight. That's yeah. what
0: I'm hearing. 100%. We then come to verse 18 um, and we see his interaction. Can you get that for us, Kelvin? Let's pick it up in
2: verse 18 and maybe read through to verse 20. The certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemed, seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Mm. And they took him and brought him unto Arepagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? <laughs> Verse 20. For thou that bringest certain strange things to our ears... And would know, therefore, what these things mean. Mm, okay, so they 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 get
0: introduced to his. And I love the KJV reading there as well. <laughs> Thank you for getting that for us, Kelvin. Uh, it's they they get introduced to some of his ideas, particularly the resurrection. Yeah. And they're like, "What are you talking about a, re- a resurrection?" You because know, for them, you know what's funny
1: Lawson. Yeah. They even use the word babbler.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we know a. Babbling
1: oh, comes yeah, from. Yeah, well, Babylon. Yeah, confusion. 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 Yeah,
2: yeah. This guy's speaking confusion. Yeah. You're speaking baby speak. Baby yeah. speak.
1: Where he's the one that feels he's in clarity. Yeah, that's right. They're
0: the ones in confusion. Sorry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and again, like, this is the home and the center of philosophy. There was a sense of, of maybe arrogance that was there that, hey, we're the real reason is what the Jews think that they know about metaphysics and uh, better than us. They have reason. Like, and, and because for them, it's, it's like, when you read the works of these guys, like the works of the Epicureans, the works of the Stoics, the things that Plato wrote, and what, a lot of what we have Plato wrote was actually recounted by Aristotle. Um, when we read this stuff, it's like, they were smart people. And how I can tell that they were smart, maybe their their outcomes are very different from each other, but their logic in a lot of sense is sound. Mm. They're like, okay, if this concept is true and this concept is true, then this is the outcome. They were very sound reasoners and they're like, okay, you know, we have different ideas, but you're a Jew. Like, you're a, how can you come here and expect to convince us of your doctrine through your reasoning? And they're like, who, who is this babble? And particularly because they all disagreed with the resurrection from different perspectives. Like, from the Platonian perspective, they're like, we don't need a resurrection of the body because the soul is immortal and it's in the world of forms. For the Epicurean and, and potentially the Stoic as well, they're like, we don't need a resurrection because... The, there's no there is no immortal, like there is no immortal soul like there is no that th- you die and that's, that's it. it and that was actually a big motivation for lots of Epicureans and Stoics even their, their their philosophies were different but there was some intersection between them they kind of rose up at a similar time was the whole idea that uh, particularly for Stoics they're like one of the motivations of their doctrine was to to not believe in a resurrection or an immortal soul or anything like that was to just live life to the fullest and not be worried about death. They are like, stop worrying about death, just do what you can, just, just live your best life. And they're like, so we have reasoned this to the point where we have no room for a resurrection. What are you talking about, Paul? And so then they're, they're like, okay, we've got to get this guy to the Aeropagus, maybe for him to get shut down, like by the, by the real philosophers here. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Hey! Let's uh, jump into our final quiz question for the day. Yep, exactly that, uh, Brother Lawson. The final Mm. question
1: is this. Those that received the gift of tongues were able to do what according to Acts chapter 2? So those that received
0: the gift of tongues were able to do what according to Acts chapter 2? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you know the answer to that one, 0491 064 669. Again, 0491 064 669. That is the answer. Well, that is where you can answer the question and go into the draw to win our morning and evening devotional, which we want to give to you absolutely for free. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Jumping back in. Getting into our Bible study, talking about the, the 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 battles that were going to take place at the you know during the Areopagus, this place where they would come together. Well, this meeting of discussion that they would have, I believe, it was on Mars Hill there in Athens. Do you want to pick it up, Matthew, verse twenty one? And let's... Well, verse 21 here, it just says, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Like, that's that's what the Areopagus was all about. It was like, all the philosophers would get together and explain their reasoning and the ideas and the outcome. And now... Paul is seen as one of these foreigners, this, this Jew from Judea, who is now in this area and has the ability to share with them his idea. Now, do you want to pick it up for us? Let's read 22 and 23. Absolutely. In 22
1: and 23 says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown god. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you.
0: Mm. This is such an interesting passage. Mm. Look, look at what Paul's doing here. Is this? Could you say that this is a form of, of paganism? Is this, like is, is is Paul saying, "Hey guys, I'm going to proclaim to you the you know that you're pagan you know you're uh, the, uh, is Paul." At co-opting paganism, to be able to make his point. I think what he's doing is, is using paganism or maybe their pagan understanding as an illustration to lead them to Christ. Absolutely. A segue.
2: Yeah. It leads into yeah. it, yes. Yeah,
0: that's right. But the reason he's doing this is, wh- the question is, like, well, what is this unknown God? And he goes on to explain to them what it is. But the reason there was an unknown God there is because in Greek paganism, uh, mixed with greek philosophy like they would have zeus and they would have all these gods that you know and they would represent a, you know they would have mars and it was the god of war and they'd have this god and he's the god of passion and lust and this and this and that and the other and then you know more ancient near eastern paganism also had gods of uh you know the fire and gods of the cliffs and the mountains you know there was slight differences and variations but they had this these sets of gods but Again, with Greeks being philosophers, they quickly realized that despite their ability to say that there were gods who were responsible for these particular things, there had to be some god that came before them because the naturalists of Greeks, which is the pre-Plato era, they realized that all of these different things operate within a set of rules there is a set of rules that govern nature. There's a set of rules that govern how fire works and how fire interacts with water and whatnot. And then it's like, so if there's a fire god and a water god, and it's like there are all these sets of rules. There has to be a god that we don't know or understand or haven't personified who basically puts into order all of these different things, who is above every other god. And that was the unknown god. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, Zeus does this and these, but there has to be someone before them, right? They thought, it, thought about it from a cosmological point of view. There's like, there has to be someone who causes all of this. This is like two and a half thousand years ago. Like these are conversations that we're having in, in about cosmology and in, in uh, philosophy today. But two and a half thousand years ago, they were wrapped up in these conversations of cosmology. Where does everything come from? They're like, there has to be some cause of this. And it's the unknown, unknown God. And that's exactly the function that Yahweh of the Bible serves in. And Paul recognizing this, he says, Okay, I'm going to use this as a segue mm-hmm. to be able to proliferate and to share the gospel with these people. Let's, uh, let's read about what he says. Let's pick it up, Matthew, if you can get that one for us. Yeah, gladly. It
1: says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Now, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings Mm. so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Mm. For in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring." Mm. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God And we ought not to think that the divine nature Is like gold or silver or stone Something shaped by art And man's devising Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked But now commands all men Everywhere to repent mm. Can um, Go to the end? Yeah, yeah. just get to us verse 31, if you 31. That. Yeah. So, And because He has appointed a day on which he will judge the world In righteousness by the man whom he has ordained,
0: he has given assurance
1: of this to all by raising him from the dead. Mm,
0: okay, perfect. So this is the message that Paul preaches here and basically says, this God, you don't know who he is. He's not personified. And I'm sure like seeing he found an altar with an inscription, so maybe there was a depiction of that God or or whether it's just the altar in and of itself because he's unknown. Paul uses this to say, okay, the God that defines the boundaries of every other God, every, everything that we do, that defines the boundaries of our living. He says, you know, all nations come from one blood. Where does that one blood come from? Where does this offspring come from? It comes originally from God, but from Yahweh. Uh, and then it uses this ultimately to to share with them that, hey, what you guys have been searching for and seeking for both through philosophy and religion an origin to life and an origin to to what and a reason as to why we are here we've we've got it you know it's kind of reminiscent of what jesus said to the woman at the well like in, in Samaria, you guys don't know what you worship. You know, salvation is of the Jews. We we know what we worship. But, lady, I tell you, what does he say? He says, a Time is coming. Time is coming. When you shall neither worship here nor in Jerusalem, but all over the world and in spirit and, and in truth. And this is a reflection of that, you know, coming up, seeing, okay, there's a, there is there a, is a, a goal open here or there is a wedge open here for Jesus to come in. It's like, guys, I have spirit and truth. To share with you. It's powerful. Again, our topic for this week, reaching the unreached. And these were at, t- at current unreached people. The people of Greece were an unreached people. And it's amazing that Paul, using his perspective of Greek philosophy, using his perspective of Greek religion, coming from the Jewish perspective and coming from a Jewish background, is able to insert God there and to argue, you know, vehemently for him. And it's amazing. From here there is a church set up in Athens. There are people who convert to the truth. And they don't convert to a mishmash of Greek paganism and and Judaism or Greek paganism and Christianity. No, they convert to the truth. They become Christians. And but we even see in the book of First Corinthians, it's, it's a constant issue that the Greek Christians are fighting against is how do we correctly enforce or divide or, or put right or put straight um, Greek paganism versus and Greek philosoph- philosophical ideas versus Christianity, but yeah, that's the battle you're always going to face. But it's, it's a am- struggle. Yeah. It's a, it's the struggle, but it's amazing that Paul could share truth. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Join by myself, Law. So, you got Matthew in here as well with Kelvin joining us for today. But we are going to get into, mate, not any questions, just answers. Running through them for us, Matthew.
1: Absolutely. So, the answer to the first question is believe if believes. That was the answer for the first one. The mm. second one is Noah. Read, read mm. the question in answer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get oh, the answers. My bad, my get bad. the questions and answers oh, so, And Jesus said on, unto man. them,
1: I'm the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth or believes on me shall never first again. Mm. That's John 6.35. Next one is, who raised a dove and a raven? Mm. Who released? Okay, I do need those glasses. <laughs> Noah. I'll bring my screen closer now. <laughs> Zoom in. <laughs> no <laughs> Nathaniel doubted if any good thing could come out of what city, Nazareth. Hmm. Lucky okay, it's closer to me. <laughs> yeah. No. Nah, nice. Oh, I could have said Nigeria. But anyway, <laughs> How <laughs> okay. long did Moses' mother yeah. hide him to escape the death edict of Pharaoh? Hmm. It was three months. You find that in Exodus chapter 2 verse 2. I
2: first thought this is fascinating. How do you hide a screaming child, a baby that cries?
1: You know, I heard one um, pastor share, Pastor Louis Torres. He shared that the Native Americans used to come under threat from attacks. And what they would do, they would condition the babies to not cry. How? By holding their nose in their mouth. Oh. And yeah, mm. oh, yeah, they would hold their nose in their mouth. And so what would happen is the mum would say, do you want me to hold your nose in your mouth? you better not cry. And so they don't. They'd rather breathe mm. and not yep. cry. Yep. And they got conditioned that way. He believes that they um, did something similar, he reckons, possibly. Mm. Because psychologically, the baby got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. if you train a baby to swim and they click, you can train them to do many things as a sort a sponge. That's a, that's a food for thought. Yeah, mm. I found that interesting. Now, the uh, next question. How long did Moses' mother hide him to escape from the death of Eve? We answered that one. It was, uh, it was three months. This last one is, Those that received the gift of tongues were able to do what, according to Acts chapter 2? Speak in other languages. Mm. Now, we're not saying they spoke in... We're saying they spoke in intelligible, mm. making clear sense in the languages of other people from their nations, mm. tongues. Because they were amazed. They go, hang on. I'm Greek. He's speaking Greek. Hey. He's speaking, He's speaking context. Um But they could understand them in their own languages. Why? It had a purpose to speak the gospel clearly and to distribute the gospel across the whole world at
0: that time. Mm, amazing. Dude, yeah, congratulations to everyone who got answers correct. Maybe you yeah. got answers incorrect, but hey, despite that, thank you for playing the quiz today and continue to play throughout the week to win some prizes. I got a text message here from Valme. She writes in Christmas is a pagan festival. Therefore, it is fine for them to celebrate however they like. You know, if people want to sell it, celebrate it in a pagan sense. But but for, le- but for believers in the Father and Jesus, they have different codes of behavior. We have been given the festivals and feasts. Therefore, it is quite clear how we should behave in the holiday season. Stop having a foot in both camps. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. Ooh, I think gosh. Val may share some, some interesting perspectives here. Well, Because I would say, well, I, I don't keep any of the... Uh, the the Old Testament feasts like I don't I don't keep Passover I don't keep Yom Kippur, Kippur. Kippur mm-hmm. I don't keep any of those because well they have been finished and they have been uh, they have been summarized in the life death and resurrection of Jesus and giving commemoration to him is the way we go about celebrating those things today but furthermore the the perspective like is you like Christmas again in its in its origin and if we take away the name <laughs> like Christmas it's like yes this is the birth of Tamils whatever it may be but again the idea that Christmas is pagan therefore don't don't keep it or Christmas has some pagan Elements or some pagan origins in its you know giving homage to the birth of Tamil's. Therefore, don't keep it. I I again. Looking at the way that Paul acted in the area of Pagus, and furthermore, looking at some quotes that we see from prominent writers and, I think, some biblical perspectives, I think we can definitely assert an idea that there is something worth keeping in Christmas because it gives us, again, a bridge to people. Absolutely. I, uh, I got a quote here. It's from a writer named Ellen White. She writes, There is no divine sanctity resting upon the 25th of December, and it is not pleasing to God that anything that conserves the salvation of men through the infinite sacrifice may Made for them should be so sadly perverted from its professed design. Christ should be the supreme object, but as Christmas has been observed, the glory is turned from Him to mortal man, whose sinful, defective character made it necessary for Him to come to our world. So she says here. Okay, people have perverted the idea of Christmas and they've turned it from you know from celebrating Jesus to celebrating man. She's saying that's a bad thing. But does she say don't keep Christmas? We continue on, she says, Jesus, the majesty of heaven, the royal king of heaven, laid aside his royalty, you know, laid aside his throne, everything to come to the you know, to give us aid that is divine. Um he clothed his divinity, humanity. Um he came to us in a powerful way. I'm just kinda of summarizing what she's saying here. Then we come to this point. Parents should keep these things before their children and instruct them line upon line, precept upon precept, in their obligation, not their obligation to each other, to honor and glorify one another by gifts and offerings but they should be taught that jesus is the world's redeemer the object of thought of painstaking effort that his work is grand, the grand theme which should engage their attention that they um, should bring to him their gifts and offerings thus did the wise men and shepherds that's the advice that she gives about how we practice christmas on the 25th of december Ooh. so her perspective is like yeah it has been given to mortal men. There there is these pagan elements that are drawing people away from God. What can you do? Oh, well, during that time on Christmas Day, you know, with your children, interacting with your household, use that time to bring bring people to a knowledge and a love of Christ. Like, amen. Amen. Like, that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, You are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning here on Faith FM, and you are joined by myself, Lawson, we've got Matthew in the studio, as well as our good friend Calvin joining us. Calvin, has time been here this morning. Enjoyed it?
2: Phenomenal, I loved
0: it. Ah, mate, we love spending time here at Faith FM, being able to open the Word of God and to, yeah, share the gospel, uh, to share how it is that we can reach people as we've seen today. And I've got a fantastic prize this morning that's all about the gospel. It's all about Jesus. It's not you, Calvin. (laughs) Uh, Pick me. I
2: love Christmas. (laughs) You can't
0: can't win the prize. I'm sorry. Once you're on the show, you can't win the prize. But hey, we have the prize this morning is simply a book called Steps to Christ. Uh, It's one that we give out every so often on The Breakfast Show, because we feel like it is so necessary, and particularly at this time, to get to know Jesus. So not the gifts under the tree, but the gift on the tree. Oh, wow, that's powerful, Matthew. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There was a gift hanging on the cross, and that was Jesus' death for humanity, and it's all about, well, not only recognizing that reality as a Savior who has died and resurrected, but also how he is wanting to know you and you to know him today. He is wanting to reach you. How can we get to know him? Steps to Christ is the book that we are giving away. And if you want that book, all you have to do is text the word book to 0491 064 669. Be the first texter through. You don't have to answer any questions. Be the first texter through at 0491 We'll give you that absolutely for free. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that you have a fantastic day and that, hey, you walk Faith, live faith and act faith because you'll grow closer and stronger in Jesus Christ.